Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of May, and my name is Helen Freer. So coming up today, I'll be talking to Roman Canciani about the latest market news, including, of course, the news that JP Morgan Chase has agreed to acquire First Republic Bank. And I'm also joined this morning by our chief economist, David Cole, who will give us his thoughts on the data we had out of the US at the end of last week. And then I'll speak to Manuel Villegas about digital assets. But first up is Roman, as I mentioned. Good morning, Roman. So what's been driving the markets over the last few hours? Well, good morning, Helen. Uh, while Europe's stock markets remained closed yesterday, the US was open for trading and it turned out a pretty eventful session. First out in the early morning was the news of JP Morgan finally ending the saga around the failure of First Republic Bank by overtaking the lender in a government-led deal. And second, factory data released in the US for April made quite clear that this week we'll see the 10th consecutive hike of the Federal Reserve since March last year. Okay, so the first news item there about First Republic Bank was definitely taken positively, but we might need a few more details about the second. So what was the data yesterday and how did markets interpret it? Uh, yes, sure. Well, the issue with USA was basically that they offered very little comfort to investors on the inflation front. Markets got caught on the wrong foot uh, insofar that the prices paid component of the ISM manufacturing report came in above the 50-point mark, which signals that prices paid increased rather than slightly decreased as the market had expected. That was one reason for US Treasury yields to increase across the whole curve. This morning, the two-year trades at 4.14 and the 10-year at 3.56, both up about 10 basis points uh, when compared with Friday. And there was another reason, too, for yields to rise significantly yesterday. There seems to be quite a bulk of new corporate issues building up in the U.S. primary market, according to traders, after the earnings blackout periods. And those new offerings tend to push up U.S. Treasury yields, too, for technical, i.e. hedging reasons, and due to the rising high-quality supply available for fixed-income investors. Okay, I see. But stock markets still fared well, didn't they? Exactly. Despite the wobbles on fixed income markets, sentiment wasn't bad, really, considering the strong rally over the last week, too. After spending much of the session in positive territory, uh, stocks closed little changed in the US. So overall, leaders were healthcare and industrials, both sectors up by about 0.6%, and laggards came from the energy, consumer discretionary, and real estate sectors. In the FX space, the US dollar could just about hold on to its gains from last week. Brent crude is trading below the 80 US dollar uh, per barrel mark. Gold is at 1,980 US dollar per ounce and Bitcoin at 28,000 US dollars. And what are the new stories moving markets this morning then? Well, there's a lot going on this morning. First, and staying in the US, the debt ceiling debate in the US has been gaining steam over the past hours, with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying that she believes that the US could only stay liquid until about the 1st of June if the debt ceiling wasn't raised, which, if it wasn't, would then obviously put the credit rating of the US to a test. And second, the Australian Central Bank has raised rates by another 25 basis points overnight, rather unexpectedly, with the result that Aussie yields uh, and the currency are spiking, while stocks have come under pressure. Okay, so Aussie stocks are under pressure this morning. What about the rest of Asia? Well, yes, it's golden week, uh, which means that Chinese onshore stocks are not traded until Thursday, but Hong Kong and Japan are open. 
Japan closed the trading day just about in positive territory, and Hong Kong was up about 0.2% when I checked a few minutes ago. This as first data regarding travel, shopping and casino spending in the golden week look pretty good. The negative news here is that real estate companies are down by roughly 2% on rising payment misses by Chinese developers. And what's in store for investors today then? What should we be looking out for? Aside the ongoing earnings season, it's a big week for central bank decisions and this will most likely frame the sentiment around developed markets. In Europe, we'll have the release of the ECB's quarterly survey of bank lending this morning, which will offer a first glimpse into how the recent financial sector turmoil has impacted credit growth. A little bit later, we'll also get the latest inflation numbers, which are generally expected to have ticked up slightly in April. We already had Germany retail sales data for March, surprising to the downside, coming in at minus 2.4% rather than the expected small plus of 0.4%, and UK house prices coming in at plus 0.5% for April rather than the expected minus 0.5%. The futures market in Europe currently points uh, towards a positive opening, all up by 0.2%, while US futures are trading just about even. That's it from me. Great. Thank you very much, Roman, for the roundup. Now, David, good morning. So we got GDP numbers and the PCE deflator from the US at the end of last week. What did you make of these figures, first of all? Good morning, Helen. Yes, indeed. So from the uh, PCE deflator, so the inflation measure for March, that was actually not a big surprise. So that was uh, in line with expectations. It increased uh, again, not so strong as uh, in the previous months. But there's still some inflation pressure in the pipeline, as we heard from Roman also going forward in the U.S. The big surprise came rather from the uh, GDP uh, print, uh, which disappointed expectations. At the same time, this disappointment came entirely due to one component, and this is actually depletion of inventories, the underlying growth rate of the, of the U.S. economy. So private consumption, investment, and even like uh, the drag from uh, real estate investment, that was all positive. So the drag was smaller. The big contribution came from private consumption, came from public consumption, but also business investment is still holding up quite well. And that's remarkable given uh, the increased interest rate environment, so the much higher interest rates, which tend to uh, slow actually investment activity. So picture um, on on the headline GDP numbers from the U.S., rather disappointing, at the same time underlying their very, very strong growth, in particularly from the consumption side. Uh, And uh, this is, of course, uh, encouraging uh, going forward for for the growth side. At the same time, for the full year number, given the prominence of uh, the first three months of the year for a full year number, uh, we have to downgrade a bit our our view for the U.S. uh, GDP growth outlook for the full year to 1.7%. Okay. And the Fed meeting is obviously coming up tomorrow and Thursday. What impact do you think this data will have on the decisions the Fed will make over the next couple of days? Yes, indeed. The Fed meeting is now in in the focus. And uh, when they look, of course, on the GDP numbers, then they would rather concentrate here on the underlying strengths of the economy. So from this perspective, um, the GDP numbers probably increases the confidence of the Fed that they can do another 25 basis point rate hike. This is expected. This is the debate in the Fed uh, if they do zero or 25 basis points. And of course, like backwards looking with GDP numbers uh, being um, better 
are in terms of like underlying growth for the first three months of the year, there is some confidence uh, that uh, little can go wrong uh, when another rate hike increase is being decided on. At the same time, the Fed remains under pressure from the uh, like inflation side. So this uh, political motivated pressure that inflation is still too high probably uh, also creates the pressure to hike uh, rates more. And all the um, reasons uh, why to pause from the Fed and uh, all the reasons uh, why to probably claim that the Fed has done already too much in terms of monetary tightening, uh, namely the credit conditions, uh, which we have seen that some banks uh, in the U.S. can't deal with this high interest rate environment. This is uh, rather taking a backseat. So really the balance uh, between uh, that there has been done enough in terms of restrictive monetary policy uh, and uh, that there needs to be more to be done in terms of inflation rate, uh, this is still swinging uh, towards uh, let's do another 25 basis point rate hike to ensure uh, that we really did bring inflation on a downward trajectory. Uh, and we think, uh, we expect now that they will hike this 25 basis point rate hike. And after that, uh, probably already hint uh, that now a pause is coming when it comes to interest rates. And uh, just finally then, what are your latest thoughts on the likelihood of a recession now? Or, or does that really depend what comes out of the Fed meeting? We are, um, of course, uh, it, it depends on the Fed meeting. Uh, we think that uh, in terms of recession probability, this is very much determined if the Fed is doing too much in terms of monetary tightening, in terms of too much pushing uh, the, uh, the interest rate or the monetary policy in restrictive territory. Uh, we think from a credit perspective, and this is really the first angle that you can decide they had been done too much in terms of restrictive monetary policy. Uh, we think we are very close uh, that, we, that the Fed has done uh, too much. And um, when will this hit the economy? Well, probably end of this year or next year. And indeed, for this um, point in time, so last quarter this year, beginning of next year, we think the recession probability remains elevated because the Fed is encouraged uh, by quite strong GDP numbers, which will be released, but also encouraged uh, by the still high inflation rates uh, to do more, to overdo it, and to move even further into restrictive territory. And we think it's basically a 50-50 call uh, when it comes to recession, in particularly beginning of uh, next year. Okay, thanks very much, David, for sharing your thoughts. Manuel, welcome to the show. So US regulators are taking action again in relation to crypto assets. What are the latest developments here? Good morning, Helen. Absolutely. And I'd love to start. And as David mentioned before, all eyes are on the US monetary authorities this week. The Fed will discuss potential rate hikes tomorrow amidst an environment of high pressure towards the financial sector, as well as persistently high inflation, which affects crypto as a risk on asset class. And after the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank in March, the stress on the regional US banking sector has been intensifying. And now First Republic Bank is adding an additional chapter to a series of events. And you know, the week started with the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is the institution in charge of maintaining public confidence in the US banking sector and ensuring sound practices taking over the First Republic Bank on apparent fears of further contagion and the bank run. 
The takeover was short-lived as the FDIC recommended a subsequent takeover by JP Morgan and facilitated the liquidation of all the assets, again raising concerns about moral hazard. And you may be wondering how does this relate to crypto at all? At the same time, the FDIC, during the whole takeover, issued a consent order towards the Cross River Bank, which allegedly engaged in unsound and unsafe lending practices uh, in the crypto space. So Cross River Bank is still one of the largest remaining U.S. banks that operates as a major avenue for crypto on and off ramping. It is fully regulated and it is one of the main avenues for Coinbase and Circle in the U.S. to on and off ramp, as said before. So the added risk was immediately priced in as the crypto markets retraced considerably. And how have digital assets done since the financial turmoil started in March? You know, interestingly enough, since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, Bitcoin has not only rallied over 30%, but also addresses Bitcoin addresses with smaller balances, this being those holding a value between 1,000 and 10,000 US dollars, have increased sizably, potentially indicating that retail investors are increasingly adopting the assets. And the sustained growth of the Lightning Network for Bitcoin is likely one of the reasons, as it has become an immense payment avenue with a capacity to channel way above 150 million US dollars at very low costs and very high speeds. Bitcoin's price has, however, retraced to levels slightly below 28,000. At the moment, it picked up, it's around 28,000. And even though fundamentals are solid, with Bitcoin setting a record for daily transactions, close to 450,000 cautions should be of the essence as the market depth is not there yet. And taking it back to ramps, on a brighter note, Venmo, one of the most relevant US peer-to-peer payment firms, has just announced that it will facilitate crypto payments, while MasterCard and Visa continue to hire and develop crypto talents. And with that said, despite the asset class's year-to-date display of resilience, Caution should be advised as U.S. regulatory measures and macroeconomic policies are likely to remain in the driving seat. Great. Thanks very much, Manuel. So that is all for today. Thanks again to my speakers and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. Do join us again tomorrow when Roman will be hosting the show. But until then, have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.